welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Um, you might hear, I don't know if you can hear me, Amanda, but my voice is a little bit like yours, a little uneasy. I'm sickly sounding, at least to me. Okay, yeah. It sounds fine. When you said uneasy, I was like, do I sound anxious? But no, you meant because of the sickness. Yeah, no, we've sick. been sick. So not only did Amanda's internet go out a couple weeks ago, and we couldn't record for a, a while, but then we both got sick. At the, I guess it works. It's the platonic soulmate thing where we got sick at the same time. Which is just some, this is some baloney, okay? Can we just have like an easy? I, it was convenient baloney for timing at least. It was convenient baloney. So, you know, at least we have that there. Um, but I would still prefer no baloney. Um, you don't want like an... What is it, Oscar Mayer baloney? Is it Oscar Mayer? It's Oscar Mayer wiener. Oh, I know it's Oscar Mayer wiener, but isn't there something about baloney with them too? Oh, I don't know. I don't eat baloney. No, I don't either. It's <laughs> disgusting. I hate it. I ate it a lot growing up, so now <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I didn't eat it growing up. I refused. So you are a braver soul than I. No, I was just hungry. Oh. Uh, still braver soul than I. I <laughs> turkey. Yeah, turkey sounds good. We'll do that. I was also the youngest child, so, you know, thanks. I got a little more spoiled. Every now and, and then, my dad would buy the bologna with, like, chunks of cheese or garlic in it. Yeah, it was foul. That sounds god-awful. It should be illegal. It feels like it is illegal, let's be honest. Like... <laughs> If we're going to talk about legality here. Yeah. Anyway. Those are the, yeah. Those, yeah. No, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Hard pass. We are good. Let's talk about something else. I'm getting triggered. Let's talk about how we apologize to everyone because, yes, we know we're late on pictures. Get over it. We were freaking sick. We were sick. Okay. I was so sick I hadn't slept in five or six days. I'm pretty sure it was six days. I was so sick. All I did was sleep. I just couldn't. My throat hurt so bad. Anyways, point is, is that we were sick. Get Sorry. off our backs, okay? Yeah. Get it. However, we do want to call out again because we love it so much that we do have the new cover art. And we just are going to need everyone to go in and tell us how much you love it. Because Please. we love it. We love it. Like, there's there's nothing better. Like, I don't know how it could get better. Oh, we got our donkey. We've got Flargnarg and his buddy. We've got the Hell on Heels. We have the Hell on Heels. I love the whole thing. Like, as soon as I saw it, it was just, hands down, we have to release this now. And Bryce is like, no, we need to wait. It wasn't that we needed to wait. It's that we needed to announce it. (laughs) And then we forgot, like, three recordings in a row. (laughs) We're so so good at what we do. We are professionals here. Okay, we've got our shit together. Yeah, it's in a basket in the corner. Mine's in a bag. That's probably a better idea. Yeah. yeah. I figured it was, but, you know. Okay, well, it's been, what, two weeks since we've talked? I think the last time we talked was on Halloween. When we did I think you're right, yeah. Okay, how are you? Any updates? I don't think so. Work's fun. I'm enjoying that. I'm getting used to it. Not as upset that you had to join the workforce again? No, I, I do. I, I enjoy, like, 
meeting new people and then them leaving and not hanging around for too long. Oh, so you really enjoyed the um... the drive through. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. Okay, okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's a positive, at least. Yeah. I mean, it's a super tiny little town, too. So, because my town doesn't even have 10,000 people, and this town barely has half that. So, it's not like I have to, you know, it's just strangers all day. The people are nice. It's nice. I like it. All right. So, nothing new with you, aside from the huge. Um, I don't really have any updates. I think our update is that we were sick. Uh, that is the update. I think that's just our life now. We're we were sick, and one day we'll get our voices back. I think I have more of a voice back, at least, than you do. Like most people have said, I sound normal, but I also think that, that this is just the new normal. Okay. Yeah. See, even she doesn't have a voice. Like even her voice isn't back. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. At least you had something diagnosed. Yours was RSV. <laughs> Mine was. Uh, you have a weak immune system and can't fight off the common cold. Um, yeah, I think that was mine, that Annie had RSV and my immune system was like, well, stupid. I made the mistake of telling her, if I could take it from you, I would. So then I did. So, super glad you did that. Yeah. Um, I did not do that, but I'm here. So that I think that's what counts. Um, yeah, that's where we are. Well, do you want to talk about our newest area that's listening? You've been so excited because you've tried like six times to talk about them. I have, and now I can. Y'all, it's Idaho with the potatoes. The potato, the best potato. The best potato is Idaho, you know? So you thank know. you, Idaho, for joining in the chaos. And we- your potatoes. And the chaos um and all this hell so thank you we see you we just want to acknowledge that we did see you join and start listening there also we do want to shout out again that our discord is up and running um if you want to join there where we can talk true crime paranormal um you can pick on me and amanda we love it mostly because that means we get a pick on you back um you know you get what you give so we just want to say that that is up and going the links should be on our link tree, on our Instagram, on our Facebook, on all the things. So uh, our Twitter is Helen Heels Pod, Instagram, Facebook, link tree, type in Helen Heels Podcast. Um, those are all there. And if you want to email us to get access, you can do that as well. You can also email us with your own true crime, paranormal stories, suggestions, whatever you want to do there. Um, and our email is Helen Heels Podcast at gmail.com. Um, so there's that. So we do want to shout that out. And then also our Patreon, we want to acknowledge that the special we were planning to release this month has gotten pushed back because we were sick, but we will still release a game night special for you guys. Um, and then next month we will release a deep dive session. I actually think I might be telling you guys this a little too late because by the time this, well, this comes out. Yeah, no, you guys, it'll still be November when this comes out. So just for our patrons, we know we're late. We acknowledge it. We'll post on Patreon so you're aware that we know that we're late. But again, we were just super sick and we were not able to record that uh, deep dive that we had planned. So that'll be for December and then we'll continue from there. I feel like I'm forgetting. That was it? Why do I what feel like I'm forgetting something? Because I talked, talked about, about Patreon. We talked, talked about... about Discord. We talked about Idaho. Okay, but I, I we're just out of practice. 
I'm out of practice. I forget. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. But I have a story for you and you're not going to like it. Why? Um. Wait, are you doing, are you doing true crime or paranormal? I'm doing true crime. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I thought I screwed up again. What is happening? We just talked about you doing paranormal today before we started recording. Look, I don't know what's going on, okay? My heart started beating really fast. You were having okay. flashbacks. I was. Okay. Wow, we are out of practice. This is a mess. I am very ready for your true crime, though. I'm not. Oh, no. All right, I apologize. Um, I apologize in advance because this is one of those stories that I started reading and I didn't know any details beforehand, but by the time I got to the really rough part, I couldn't go back. Like I had already done all this research. I had to continue doing it. This is going to be a little rough. So I'm going to just tell everyone um, there is a little bit of talk about sexual abuse and there is talk about um, uh, children being involved in that and also the uh, brutal murder of a child of a less than two year old. Um, so fair warning for anyone listening, just th that is the story. That's what's happening. All right. Are you ready to get into the murder of the Sharp family? No. Okay, let me rephrase that. We're going to get into the murder of the Sharp family. Oh, okay. So John Michael Sharp and Anna Marie Kemp, they had a normal marriage from what everyone could see. So John, he was born February 28th, 1967. He was born and raised in Mornington, Victoria, which is in Australia. His early life was really unremarkable. He didn't have anything too crazy. The only thing that I could find was that he had some social issues and he did rely very heavily on his parents during his childhood. Um, he had very low emotional intelligence and he just was unable to handle the stressors in his life. So like, again, he relied heavily on his parents. Anna, however, she was born in New Zealand in 1963. Again, unremarkable childhood. Um, but Anna and John, they met while they worked together at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. So they must have met eyes while counting bills or something. I don't, I don't know. They fell in love and they would get married in October of 1994. They would live in various locations in the Mornington Peninsula during their marriage, which is again, still in Australia. And Sharp, he would go on to become self-employed as a conveyancer. Do you know what that is? I have absolutely no idea. Okay, glad you have no idea because I didn't either. So according to Google, a conveyancer is a lawyer that deals with preparation of documents for the transfer of property. So like I took that as like a kind of a real estate lawyer type person where they do the preparation of documents. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it sounds like to me. I'm glad you told me that because I would have never, I don't even think I've ever heard that word. I don't think I have either, but it's, I mean, it's what he was. So self-employed was able to do that. He sounded like that made him sound really smart. But from what I could find, he actually didn't pass like his high school. Like he graduated, but it wasn't like he did well. Okay, so he uh, maybe he wasn't smart, but he wasn't dumb. Right. So I don't know. I don't know for sure. What I do know is that was his job. So life was going really well. In August of 2002, about eight years after the couple had gotten married, they would go on to have a little girl who they named Gracie. Gracie was unfortunately born with hip dysplasia. And so you can only imagine that she wasn't the easiest baby. She, are you okay? What's, what's happening? Sorry, I was looking at that picture. 
that's her right in the blue crazy yeah uh yeah the little girl in the picture she looks like a literal doll she yeah she does she's super she's super cute so precious oh god so she's she's born with hip dysplasia she's not comfortable and she has to wear just for her orth- for orthopedic needs she has to wear a corrective harness for the first three months of her life oh god bless her with all of that I, I can't imagine that hip dysplasia in general is comfortable i've seen hip dysplasia on dogs it's not they're not comfortable i can only imagine on a, a baby who can't communicate their pain other than by crying i can't right. imagine that was easy yeah so she was a difficult baby what you would consider a difficult baby she cried a lot she had difficulty sleeping even after the harness was no longer needed she still had difficulties with eating and sleeping and doing a lot of things a lot of that might have been a habit created within those first three months like she she was in pain for three months of her life yeah and it was so bad that anna does go on to seek additional medical help for gracie because i mean what else are you gonna do so having a child with any condition or a disability is hard on any marriage or relationship unfortunately john and anna were seeing that strain on their relationship and their marriage as well it wasn't easy having gracie she was very hard um to care for she had a lot of needs and so they just their marriage started to struggle i hate to hear that that's sad it happens and it's very sad but yeah it does it makes sense uh like i'm not judging them at all but that's like that's just really sad all around. And yeah, I hate it's it not me. my favorite. Um, it's really sad. Sad, but I mean, the family starts getting into their new norm with Gracie, with her treatments, her care. She's slowly getting better from what I could find. Like she's she's improving. The hip dysplasia wasn't anticipated to really cause a long term effects from what I found, especially with that corrective harness. That's that's good at least. So with that, John picked up a new hobby. In 2003, John would purchase a high-powered spear gun. Oh. Um, very. Yeah, he had never shown any interest in spear fishing or anything like that prior to this, but he gets a new hobby. How does one just stumble into spear fishing? Um, he went to the Sport Philip Marine and just kind of purchased it, and he purchased an extra spear as well. I feel like that should go on some kind of federal log. Like in a book somewhere. Um, this is also in Australia. Okay, well, I don't understand their gun laws over there, but. Yeah, I don't even understand their gun laws. True. I make a point to understand them in my state, but as like a country, I know that's a weird, <clears throat> that's a whole big right. can of, of worms. But I also know that Australia has probably a handful of things at the very least that you could shoot with a spear gun. Right. Well, I mean, if he goes fishing, like Australia is, uh, whether it's a large island or not, it's an island. Yeah. He might be fishing a lot or, you know. Maybe he bought it for snakes. Yes. Or giant spiders. I would buy a spear gun for a gi- first giant spider. Goodbye. Yeah, honestly, that was the practice. That was the uh, target practice right there. It w- would have been for us, but he begins practicing in the family's backyard. So he's learning the mechanics of it and kind of learning how it works and you know, no big deal. Um, one thing to note with this is he did purchase the spear gun in cash. Anyways, so he starts practicing in the family's backyard because, you know, practice makes perfect. And in 2003, the family would also go on to buy a new home in Mornington. So they're staying in the same area, but now they've purchased a home. Okay. 
And in November of that same year, Anna becomes pregnant again. So they're going to have their second child. Okay, this feels exciting. Yeah, so Anna's really excited. John, not as much. Oh. He he kind of um, he wasn't excited. And part of this comes down to Gracie. She was a very difficult child. He's had a negative experience and he's like one and done. Good. I'm good. And so he he said he had spoken to Anna about not wanting another child. And yet she had fallen pregnant anyways. Um, which I mean, I feel like um, I get it. I get where he's coming from. I could very well see, you know, from his point of view, that's a very valid statement. But uh, I don't think she did it by herself there, bud. Right, right, right. So, I mean, overall, things seem to be going really well for this family, right? Like, John's obviously got a good enough job and they've got this new house. Gracie is about 15 months old at this time. Her health is improving. A new home. They have a new baby. And again, this was a surprise pregnancy for John. He just, he was, he didn't want another kid. And he also believed that Gracie was enough of the of a burden for the family. Okay. And I'm sorry, that his words, not mine. I know, I know I made a weird look at you. It wasn't at you. It was that like the situation, because that's um that's a dangerous word. word. Yeah, that's that's right. You gotta be careful when you use those words when you're talking about, you know, humans. Right. Well, Sharp kind of becomes a little resentful towards his unborn child. Okay. And his wife. Oh, no. He's not excited. He's not happy. Like, he just, he's not into it. And, you know, their marriage is slowly kind of crumbling and they, they're, they're having more and more issues. However, on March 19th, 2004, a friend of Anna's comes to stay the night at the couple's new home. And that friend said she didn't notice anything off between the couple i mean she's like they're normal stressors nothing crazy but they seemed overall happy so it kind of seemed for like they were improving and they were making progress and you know they're moving forward on march 21st 2004 the family attends a picnic at for a nephew's birthday party and during the party they seemed happy again no one saw any tension between john and anna they didn't fight they they just seemed to have fun overall like they were fine and this was you said just like two or three days later yeah, so March 19th is when the friend stayed, and then a couple days later, party. Okay. So March 21st is the party. On March 24th, 2004, John would drop Gracie off at daycare. I'm calling it daycare. They called it like a child care center, and I, it's, it's daycare, okay? And this was a little out of the norm. Normally, from what I could find, Anna would drop Gracie off, but John had done it. And soon after, John tells daycare workers that Anna had left him to be with another man. And he tells them Anna's going to come back uh, in a couple days and he's going to, she's going to take Gracie and they're moving. Like, I don't have a choice. She's taking Gracie. She's probably not going to be in this daycare anymore. And so he, he tells this daycare all of this information. Like, Anna's done with me. She's left me for another man. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. So he picks up Gracie that same day and they go on a daddy-daughter date to the Fort Philip Marine, which is the same place that he had purchased the spear gun. And he ends up purchasing another spear. Just like, you know, whatever, hanging out with his daughter. Trying to uh, enjoy the time they have left together. And it would go on like this until March 27th, 2004, when John tells everyone that Anna took Gracie. He no longer knows anything about them. She took Gracie. She's with this other man. And he 
he doesn't know anything about their whereabouts. And Anna's mother, she's unconvinced of this. She's like, mm, I don't really see Anna just up and leaving and cutting contact with her family in New Zealand because we can't get a hold of her. We cannot, like, she's not answering her phone, blah, blah, blah. Mother knows. Right. And also on top of that, they're like, we got this weird email from Anna and she's just not answering phones. And I'll talk a little bit more about the contents of that email a little bit later. And her mother on March 29th, 2004, she's like, there's something wrong. And keep in mind, her mother is in New Zealand at this point. Her family lives in New Zealand. Anna's the one in Australia. So her mother does report Anna and Gracie missing to the Dundin New Zealand police. And they open an investigation and they start looking into it. John tells these authorities left and right, Anna left him. She was living with this new man in Chelsea and he knows nothing else. He, he doesn't know where she is. He doesn't know, he knows Chelsea and that's it. Anna's family, like I said, they received one email. And Anna's mother had also received a bouquet of flowers that were supposedly from Anna. But the, something was still off. No one had still spoken to Anna at this point. They're like, she's not answering her phone. She's not calling us. Things aren't adding up still. So Anna's missing. So is Gracie. Now that started in March. In May of 2004, there's still no sign of Anna and Gracie. And John Sharp goes on to give several media interviews. In one interview, he stated to a local newspaper, quote, anyone that knows me knows I gave 100% for my daughter and my marriage. He would go on to appear on national television to speak of Anna and Gracie's disappearance. And he acted very strange and very emotionless during those interviews. And this starts attracting police's attention. They're like, hmm, interesting. Very interesting. They noted that John often spoke of Anna and Gracie in past tense. And so this led investigators to believe that John knew of their whereabouts and John knew that they were dead. Now, police don't know at this point that they're dead, but they have that belief. And another part of John's appeal, he stated, quote, Anna, our marriage may be over, but I still love you. And you're the mother of our beautiful daughter, Gracie, whom we both adore more than anyone else. And I mean, they go on like this, but then he goes on to claim that he had spoken to his wife the week prior. And then he asked anyone with information about her whereabouts to come forward. So how I interpreted that was he talked to Anna the week prior to the interview in May. That's what I was going to ask. Like, that seems a little, a little redundant. Like you just said you talked to her, but if anybody knows where she is, please let me know. Right. I, I just feel like if, you would work you would have worded it differently right i feel like if you were a father and your wife and your daughter are gone and you're trying to make these pleas wouldn't you think it'd be please let me see gracie please i i want to see my yes, daughter please come home something like let's let's work this out let's figure out the custody like if you want to be with another man be with another man but i want to see my daughter exactly yeah i i completely agree with you and his unborn son. Yeah, I thought it was weird that he didn't even mention the unborn child at all. Not that I'm aware of, but he might have. Um, I just couldn't find the whole interview. Ooh, I see. So at this point, police are, they're kind of raising their eyebrows with John. They're like, what's, what's going on with him? There's something off. On May 20th, 2004, the New Zealand or Dundon police request that the Victoria Australia police conduct an investigation into Anna and Gracie's disappearance. That same day, 
the Mornington police would speak with Sharp. And John Sharp, he asserted that Anna had run off with another man and he knew nothing else. He doesn't know where she is. He doesn't know anything about where the, uh, what they're doing or anything. And Anna's family is still shocked. They're like, what is going on? This isn't, this isn't like Anna at all. She's a very devout Catholic woman. She's very set in her values. Like she wouldn't run off with another man. And also based on his story, he told everyone that Anna left Gracie with him for uh, up to three or four days. Well, then her family was like, there's no way that Anna would have left Gracie for three or four days with you. She would have taken Gracie with. Like, there's just no way that she would have abandoned her child for any amount of time. And so, I mean, the family's like, okay, we're putting two and two together. We've received these emails and they're getting multiple that may say that they're from Anna, but they're not. They've gotten uh, flowers. There's no phone calls. They're like, John is trying to deceive us. There's something going on. On June 10th, 2004, police would again interview John. He maintains, again, Anna left voluntarily in March. She left. She went to this other man. And investigators are like, well, we don't really believe you. And you're not really showing us any emotion here. So I don't like what really happened. So police would go to put John under surveillance. During the surveillance of John, they witnessed him retrieving Anna's phone and ATM card from a public bathroom in Mornington. They also saw him throw away that potential evidence in a bin in the Mount Martha suburb area. Police had also recovered several handwritten notes, who they believed to be in John's handwriting, that detailed parts of his cover story and even his backup story. Okay. Upon a search of the home, police also found a receipt in the home for tarps, duct tape, and a chainsaw. And they recovered evidence of both Gracie and Anna's blood in the home. Police now had enough circumstantial evidence to arrest John. On June 22nd, 2004, police would arrest John Sharp and they would go on to interview him actually twice that day. In the first interview, he maintained Anna had taken Gracie and she was with this other man. I don't know anything else. Between the interviews, John had talked or spoken with his family. Something happened there. And during the second interview, the truth starts to come out and John confesses to the murder of his wife and child. Oh, wow. It feels like he cracked kind of easily. I mean, this is months later, though. But two... We're in June. But just the two interviews? It was more than that. Oh, okay. Because that two interviews on that same day, he had been interviewed at least four times. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. Oh. Nope. Sorry, 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 sorry. So he was interviewed May 20th, June 10th, and then twice on June 22nd. Oh, okay. So this is John's recount of what happens. So take it or leave it. This is what he confesses to. And this is kind of where it starts getting very rough. So I apologize. Um, All right. On March 23rd, 2014. Now remember on March 19th and 21st, they were seen as a family and they seemed happy. But on March 23rd, 2004, John and Anna had gotten into an argument that night. They had gone to bed around 9 or 10 p.m. Anna fell asleep relatively quickly. I mean, she's pregnant at this point. So, I mean, she's probably exhausted anyways. But John, he laid there just seething. He was so upset. He was brooding over their argument and the state of their marriage. And he, he, he snaps. He snaps. He gets out of bed and he retrieves that spear gun 
He returned to the bedroom that he shared with his wife, and he fired the spear gun into Anna's left temple from a couple of centimeters away. Oh my god. After the first shot, Anna was still breathing. So John would take the second spear he had purchased when he initially purchased the spear gun, and he would send a second spear into Anna's head. And the second spear killed Anna. Again, let's remember, she is four to five months pregnant at this time. She has a whole ass human. I'm sorry, can I ask real quick, like, how big are these spears? I don't know if you know that, but when you say spear, spear gun, I imagine like, like a Moby Dick, you know, one of those I, large. I don't think it's that big. I think it's likely smaller. Um, but I, I don't know. I didn't mm. even look. So let me Google really quick. Yeah, I don't think they're huge. I think they're probably, based off of looking at this, they kind of, the spears look like they're about the size of like a bow, uh, like a bow and arrow. Uh, okay. Arrow. So still pretty freaking brutal. Yeah. Oh my God. And he put two in her head? She survived the first one and died from the second. Oh my God. Oh, it only gets worse. Um, so he covers her body in blankets and towels and he goes to sleep on their sofa couch. And he just goes to bed that night. Oh, my God. And the following day, March 24th, is when he takes Gracie to daycare, tells the daycare that Anna's left him. And he ends up trying to remove the spears from his wife's skull. And he fails. He was able to remove the shaft of the, the spear by unscrewing it from the head. But that means that he left the spearhead inside of Anna's skull. So... The same day, he, like a TV repairman, he's comes in and he's like, oh, no, you need to leave because Anna's body is still lying in his bed, like in her bed. And the repairman finally leaves and he goes and he digs a shallow grave in their backyard and he buries his wife in their back backyard. He picks up Gracie from daycare. They go to the Fort Phillip Marine, purchase a third uh, spear and this is the spear that would be ultimately used to take gracie's life okay i i feel like it's worse that he couldn't you have done that couldn't you have done that before you picked her up like it feels worse that you brought her with you i don't know i have no clue i i don't know now it goes on like this for a couple days he does take her to daycare fix her up they have their routine until March 27th, 2004. Sharp would put Gracie to bed. He would go have a couple of whiskey and Cokes to numb his senses. Senses, Woo. So he would have a couple of whiskey and Cokes to numb his senses. He took the same spear gun, loaded it with the new spear purchased a couple days prior, and he shoots his then 20-month-old daughter in the head with a spear gun. And it's It's going to get worse. That spear did not kill Gracie. Instead, she was awakened and screaming loudly because she was in severe pain. He would go grab the two spears that he had used to kill his wife. Now, these don't have the, the tip or the arrow or the head on it, just the shaft. He would load those and return to Gracie's room and shoot her with those two spear shafts. And she still survived after being shot three times. She was still alive, so he aggressively and very, um, very much 
pulled one of the spears out of Gracie and refired it a fourth time. And this is the final time, eventually killing Gracie. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Um, I said it got worse. Um, and this yeah. is the daughter that he supposedly liked and cared about. And interviews yeah yeah oh couldn't you just leave her on a stranger's porch or something anything else how about how about this here's an idea just fucking leave look me and you have common sense he does not god i can't wait to hear about this trial i want to hear what this horrible human has to say he's confessing this to police Uh uh-huh so this is an official confession that okay. they're getting. Like he was arrested and this is a confession. Um, so the following morning, there's there's more to the confession. So the following morning, he retrieves the spears from his daughter's head. head. <clears throat> he wraps her body in garbage bags and a tarp and threw her away in the Mornington transfer station like trash. Put him under the jail. He would also discard of the spear gun the spears, some of Gracie's clothes, and some of Gracie's toys at the same time. On March 29th, 2004, just the day after he threw his daughter away like trash, he would visit a local hardware store, and here he would purchase a roll of duct tape, two tarps, and an electric chainsaw. On March 30th, 2004, he would exhume Anna's body from the shallow grave in their backyard. He would cut her body into three pieces, wrap her remains in the tarp and he would dispose of her along with the chainsaw in a waste collection bin at the transfer station again like she was garbage. What the? During one of his trips to that transfer station he reportedly told the attendant quote I have a bootload of hard waste. I, I'm sorry I like I know I'm supposed to be saying things but I I, I have no words. Trust me I I'm here. Um, he would go on to send Anna's family several forged emails to give the impression that she was still alive. At least one of the emails sent to Anna's family stated that she was happy, safe, and pregnant by another man. And this actually raised more concerns for the family. In another email the family received, it stated, quote, Please respect and understand my wish for privacy and take comfort in the fact that I'm about to enjoy the life like I have never before. I'm about to enjoy life like I've never before. This gets so much worse. Like, not only did he kill his pregnant wife and his baby child, but then he just, he keeps going with it like this. And even to say she was pregnant by somebody else, like, it's like, he's, he's trying to devalue them. Like, as people, he's devaluing them. Like, he is putting her, like, I'm this devout husband. I loved her. I'm this great father. She left me. She took our child. She cheated on me. It wasn't even my baby. It's like he's broadcasting what he feels about her, how he sees her. And it's like, every time I don't think he can get worse. You tell me something else. This just like this is this is not a human. Be- Why are you smiling? Oh, sorry. I was just wiping my lips off. Uh, okay, I was like, uh, what next? Uh, it still does get worse. Oh God. 
Okay, let me so, hold it. He he also used Anna Kemp's phone and ATM card throughout Victoria's suburbs to add add to that illusion that she was alive and well, which is how he got caught grabbing her phone and her ATM card because he was using it and then discarded of it, trying to get rid of the evidence. So when asked why he killed them, he told police that Anna was controlling and moody and their marriage was unhappy. He's pregnant, you asshole. I, I'm sorry, but I still don't feel like that's a reason to kill another person. Oh God, no, that's not what I'm not what I'm in no, at I all. Oh, I'm just saying, like that doesn't feel like, like that just doesn't feel like a reason. Like, oh, she was moody and controlling, so I killed her. Like, what? Just leave. If you don't want to be the number one, if you don't want to be a father, then don't make a child. But like number two, if you're not happy go away. Don't take someone away. When it came down to Gracie, he told police, uh, quote, he was thinking of taking care of Gracie by myself and just amongst all the madness. That's when I lost the plot. That's when I lost the what? Plot. Plot. This isn't a story, bro. He also stated that he killed Gracie because, quote, the child belongs with the mother. Uh, here's an idea. Don't take the mother. He's a, no, he's a dick. He tells police that he had actually fantasized about killing his wife for months prior to actually killing her. Some of Anna's family members believe that he killed Anna and Gracie because Anna had found out that he was abusing and molesting Gracie. Oh. Family stated that John did have a history of sexual abuse. He reportedly had molested a young member of a circle of family and friends two decades prior. This one girl had been molested for two years. At one point, John reportedly forced another child to molest her while he watched. The same girl would confront John as an adult, and he reportedly told her, quote, she was a slut who deserved it. Now, this claim was never substantiated, and it's widely believed by many. I couldn't find any record of the sexual abuse, so it's it's very possible it was just never reported to police. It's possible it's something else. Again, this is just what I could find. So police spent three weeks in an extensive recovery effort at the Morning, Mornington landfill. They were able to recover both bodies, though the remains had been scattered across the landfill due to the significant length of time that they were there. They were there from March to about July. Anna and Gracie were buried in Green Park Cemetery in Dunedin under Anna's maiden name of Kemp. Their gravesite also makes mention of Anna's unborn son, Francis. Gracie's birth and death certificate were altered to list the father as unknown. Sharp appeared in the Supreme Court of Victoria where he was arraigned and he pled guilty to both murders. On August 5th, 2005, Sharp is sentenced to two consecutive, consecutive life sentences. There is a non-parole period of 33 years, which means he will be eligible for parole in 2037. That does not mean he is getting out. That means that he can appeal or apply for parole. While in prison, Sharp remains in PC, protective custody. Uh, this is due to threats of his life or on his life from other prisoners, and he can't be in general population. John Sharp would eventually go on to be dubbed the Morning Star Monster. I hope he lives in constant and complete fear. Ditto. Yep. It's, um, yeah. 
So th- this was really hard because he shot his daughter four times with a spear gun. Four times. This little girl, even if she lives, she's traumatized. You said that he claimed to have imagined killing his, at least his wife. For months. He fantasized about it just. So I wonder if that's how he just kind of, oh, well, I'll go get a spear gun. I wonder if that was the plan all along. That's a lot of people's thought process because he did get rid of the spear gun Mm -hmm. as soon as he used it. And they did note that it was very strange that he bought the spear gun with an extra spear because most people won't. I was going to say that. I thought they were attached like with a rope or something. I don't know if they're attached with a rope. Um, but I, I know that it's not, they made it very clear. It is, if you were buying a spear gun, typically you only have the one spear until you need to replace it. Yeah. And he also paid in cash. In 2005. 2003. 2000. Yeah. I really just don't know what to say. Hi, you're welcome. I'm so sorry. I warned everyone that it was a rough story. Is he still alive? my knowledge yes i wouldn't be upset if somebody did something about that i just got to say he did treat his family quite literally like trash Mm -hmm. um he's worse than trash so yeah not not the biggest fan of this guy uh there are pictures on the drive that we'll post on instagram and twitter um so again instagram hill on hills podcast twitter hell on hills pod uh, they should be posted on Facebook as well, which is the same as Twitter. Um, the pictures that are up there. So there's a picture of John and Anna at their wedding. There is a picture, the one that Amanda made mention of at the very beginning with the whole family. So you can see John, Anna, and Gracie. She's just precious. There is a picture of just Anna and Gracie. Um, there's also a picture of John crying. I don't want to say he's he's obviously faking it, but... There is a picture of John with one of his media interviews making a plea. And then there is a picture of Anna and uh, Gracie's tombstone. Yeah, I hate that. I don't like it at all. Yeah, I didn't didn't enjoy it. That was rough. It was less than enjoyable for me. Yeah, it's a no from me. It was was really hard. Uh, And I think a lot of it came down to the fact that his, I mean, his wife, and daughter had to have gone through excruciating pain. I mean, his daughter, for sure, she screamed and screamed. She was shot four fucking times. And but it sounds like the majority of her short life, she was just in so much pain. She, I mean, it's not her fault mm-hmm. that she was born with hip dysplasia. No one chose that for her. And she was getting better. It wasn't, I mean, from what I could find in the articles, it wasn't something that she was going to... I mean, yeah, it might have affected her her whole life, but it was they were correcting it so that she would be able to live a normal life. Anyways, um, that's that awful story. Can we go on to something less awful? Yeah, preferably, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so I've got a story as well. A couple of them. Excited. Yeah, I'm glad I did something kind of lighthearted here. Kind of, maybe. So I did, I got a couple of, I don't know what to call them. I call them weird relics. Okay. So the first one, for example, is a rabbit's foot. Have you ever had a rabbit's foot? 
don't believe I've ever had a rabbit's foot, but I kind of struggle with the thought of carrying a dead animal part around with me. Oh, perfect. I'm going to explain to you why it's okay. Oh, still going to probably not do it, but go ahead and explain it. A lot of people carry around a rabbit's foot for good luck. That is something that I did when I was younger. Pretty sure it was fake. I would bet money on it. Um, most of them now are synthetic, so take solace in that. But it dates back thousands of years. Um, from what I read, it it was said to have started before 600 BC by early inhabitants in Western Europe. Historians attribute this to an ancient Celtic tribe. Is it Celtic or Celtic? It's Celtic, right? Celtic? I say Celtic. I've heard Celtic. Yeah, I think Celtics are basketball players or something like that. I was going to say the, the Celtics are basket, some sort of sport. Okay, yeah. Yeah, not them, the Celtic. Okay, excuse me. So historians attribute it to an ancient Celtic tribe. And this tribe believed themselves to be descendants of hares. Not specifically rabbits, but they're very oftentimes confused for one another. They were said to have worshipped the animals. And although they, they did not kill them, if they happened to come across one that was deceased by whatever means uh they they would take them and cut, cut them to pieces and carry them around specifically the, the feet especially but they believed that bringing these pieces of this animal around with them would not only bring them good fortune but it would also promise a bountiful harvest and even increase fertility I guess, you know, makes sense. It's a rabbit. They multiply like crazy, right? I, I get maybe that's my problem is I just need to carry around a rabbit's foot and that'll increase my fertility. I thought about sending you one, but based on your reaction, I'm glad that I didn't. Yeah, please don't. Okay. I, I'm still, please. I don't care. I'm still not carrying it around. If you do, I recommend attaching it to your keys. No, I've got a monkey. I think we're good. A monkey's paw? No, a monkey. Uh, what, a monkey? Like it's a, a key made, but it's a monkey? The top of the key is a monkey. So I you appreciate play. your pun. So it's a monkey. I see this is why we're friends. Yep. Okay. So this is supposedly when people started carrying around. As far as historians can tell, <clears throat> this is when they believe that people started carrying around a hare or a rabbit's foot and thinking that it had some kind of magical power to it. They did find um, back in the 16th century that rabbit's feet were believed to ward off aches and pains, so people would carry them. In the 20th century, the lore evolved again to specifically state that the back left foot was the luckiest. So if you got the back left foot on your keychain, you are like, you're, you're super, pretty up there. You're a fertile myrtle with the luckiest genes alive. No, because it gets, it gets luckier. Oh. If you happen to be able to get the back left foot of a rabbit killed in a cemetery at midnight, that is top tier luck and fertility right there. Like you're having septuplets. Okay, but how do you know if it's been killed? Like, do you have to kill it at midnight in a cemetery? If you really want to be sure, I think so, yes. Okay, this is a lot. Like, I, first of all, I'm not going to go kill a poor innocent little bunny rabbit. Like, it's not going to happen. Sorry. 
Um, I'll stick with what the doctor tells me to do, but I guess. If you ever want to try something else, if just yeah. get you a rabbit trap and hang out in your local cemetery. Just hope, hope that every night at midnight, one night at midnight, something happens. Okay. Gotcha. Not happening, but gotcha. If you really, if you really <laughs> want it. Would you I go and a... collect the left foot for me of a rabbit that was killed in a cemetery at midnight? I mean, I've done worse, but I don't want, that sounds like a lot of work. And you think I want to do it? I mean, I don't know. Do you want good luck? Not like that. Oh. Well, like I said, nowadays they're like synthetic, so you can just get like a fake pink or blue one. That's not the luckiest of the luck, though, so. <laughs> now, I did include a picture of a rabbit's foot in there, and one of them is like in old time, like this is what you would get back in the day. And <clears throat> the other one is an absolutely grotesque picture that I found on Reddit of somebody's authentic lucky rabbit's foot um, who discovered that the hair falls off eventually. Yeah, that's god-awful. Yeah, it's real weird looking. I, As if I a hairy foot on a keychain wasn't weird enough, this photo is... It is what nightmares are made of. I don't like it at all. The foot of my nightmares. So the next weird little good luck charm, I guess, is the hangman's rope. Apparently, in the 17 and 1800s, people believed that the noose used in public executions were imbued with special powers, which is, what is wrong with us? Okay, what type of special powers other than maybe bringing a ghost home with you? Um, well, Bryce, I'm glad you asked. So, after the execution, which... Back in, like, medieval times, back in these days, executions were, like, the thing. People came out in droves. That was, like, the Sunday. People came out and watched. They had picnics. What did they have instead of popcorn? They probably had that, too. This was, like, the party. Yeah. Y'all, people suck, okay? (laughs) But, so back in those times, after everything happened, whatever, after the execution people would hang around and the executioner would actually take the rope and cut it into pieces and would sell it to the crowd. And they would make like a pretty good profit off of this. Specifically, I have a couple of examples. In 1802... Wait, 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 wait. wait. They would sell it to the crowd? Yes, they would sell the rope that they used to hang the Oh, this is just like their way of getting more money. Felt like it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1802, Joseph Wall was an officer in the British Army, and he was hanged for flogging one of his soldiers to death. And after his death, the hangman cut the rope into one-inch pieces and sold the pieces for a shilling each. I don't know what a shilling is, but if it, I think it was, like, not cheap. That I feel like anything in those days, shilling seems like it's expensive. Fair, yeah, especially for a piece of rope that has, I would imagine, god-awful negative energy in it. In 1856, Dr. William Palmer, who was convicted of poisoning his friend, but he was believed to have killed at least 13 of his friends and family, he was hung oh. 
and execute. He was, he was hung stand and up executed. friend. He yeah. Yeah, so he, the, I he, wish he was hung. hanged and executed because he sounds horrible. So wait, he was hung then executed according to your story. So yeah. is this like a Sherlock Holmes moment where like he had some contraption so he didn't actually die? Oh no, he died. He oh, died okay. real hard. And after he did, they cut up the pieces of or they cut up the rope into pieces and his sold for five shillings each. Damn, I thought one shilling was a lot, but that's a steal. Yeah, I guess the worse you were, the luckier your rope, the more expensive the pieces. High demand. People, hey, what type of luck and supernatural powers does this bring? Um, different strokes for different folks. I'll put it that way. I'll continue, please. So people viewed the rope as a talisman, and they were very highly sought after. And people believed it was because this, the rope was a symbol of misfortune. And so it was credited with the opposite energy, which does not make sense to me, but hey, okay. So professional gamblers, they wanted the ropes to secure good luck in their games. Noble and aristocratic women would commonly pay very high prices for them because it was fashionable to just carry around this little piece of rope with them. What a statement. What's that? Oh, that's my hangman's rope. Exactly. No I feel like I spent five shillings on it. It was a steal. He killed 13 people. I feel like it was like, I don't know, I'm not fashionable. What? Dooney and Bjork? That's fashion, right? That's the thing? The purses? Dooney and Burke? Did I say? <laughs> I think you said Bjork. Okay. I was going to go like Gucci or something. Yeah, whatever. I feel like this would be like a TikTok trend. I could see that, yes. Like, look at my little rope. Oh my god. And then the last one, this is wild, okay? People would pay out the yin-yang um, for these ropes because they believe them to treat sicknesses and ailments. It's a rope. It's literally just a piece of rope. With some bad mojo attached to it. But, um, they believe differently. So people, if they had headaches or something like that, they would, and I assume they were longer than an inch, they would wrap it around their heads. Which I thought buying an inch of this death rope was weird. How much are you buying to be able to wrap it around your whole dome? Much more than an, it's gotta be, that's a lot. That's that a would lot cost of shillings. Shillings. Yes. I would be so broke. That's like two years worth of, I don't know, porridge. Oh, but it's two years worth of something. Yeah. It's. Oh. That it's... was two years worth of wages. On a rope. But if it helps your headaches, I guess good on you. Giving me a headache right now. What do I do for that? I guess. Um, do you have any rope? No. Uh, I might have rope, but not Hangman's rope. Disbelieve really hard. And it would be like a, a placebo. Oh. Mm -hmm. Um, we want that. No, I think I'm okay. I'll just take some ibuprofen. Drink oh, some water. Thank God for modern medicine. Right? Oh, I had another bullet. That wasn't all. Okay. 
You're going to love this one. In the 1840s, I found a story of a doctor who had a patient that he was treating. He was treating an ulcerous wound. And he noticed that this man had like a, it was a necklace, but it was like a little bag and it was hanging around his neck. And he had asked the man, he was like, well, what is that that you keep? It's always there. Every time I come see you, it's there. And he proceeded to tell his doctor that in that bag was a piece of hangman's rope. And he kept it with him at all times because he had a previous wound. I guess this man just had all kinds of ulcerous wounds. Um, so he cut off a piece of the rope, buried it in that wound, and the wound healed. So now he never takes it off and he keeps it with him all the time. Yeah, I don't know how he was alive. Even if it was just normal rope and he got like flimflammed or bamboozled or something. That's that's not that's not safe, sir. Don't put don't put rope in your open wounds, please. Maybe a nice band-aid. Some gauze, if you have to. Anything but a rope. Yeah. That killed a person. Did they sanitize it? Probably not. So oh. you got other people neck cooties on there and you're going to just shove that in your body? This is the 1840s. I'm pretty sure they were still dumping their poop in the streets at this time. Do not care. The 1840s needs to learn that you can't be doing that type of shit. Stop putting dead man rope in your wounds, please. It's not good. No. I'm not putting, I'm not, I'll just go without my voice. I'm not going that far. I'm not eating dead man's rope. Just do a little nibble? Not unless James hides it in the spaghetti. It's not happening. <laughs> he might have already done that. You don't know. Well, it didn't work because I still sound like a man. Well, maybe he'll hide more. Fingers crossed. Don't tell me about it. So next up, this one's I like this one. I thought it was kind of cute. Still might give you nightmares, but let's go. They are called thumbs up charms. Kind of like thumbs up, but it's F-U-M-S-U-P. Are you ready for a poem? Oh, we're poets now. Yes. I'm yes. Ready. So ready. Behold in me the birth of luck. Two charms combined. Touch wood thumbs up. My heart is made of wood most... I'm sorry. I messed that up. That wasn't supposed to be part of the rhyme. Two charms combined, touch wood, thumbs up. My head is made of wood most rare. My thumbs turn up to touch me there. To speed my feet, they've cupid wings. They'll help true love amongst other things. Proverbial is my power to bring good luck to you in everything. I'll bring good luck to all away. Just send me to a friend today. And a lot of times when people would buy thumbs up charms, this was included on a card that would come with it and whenever you send it to your friend they read the card and they have the little trinket and this it was thought to date back to roman gladiators because the little dolls if you look close enough or the ones that seem to be made a little better than others you can see they have they're giving you like double thumbs up so people thought that it was like a nod to way way back during the Roman gladiator days when the king would signal whether the gladiator would live with a thumbs up or thumbs down. But historians showed that these little guys first started, first made their appearance in the 1880s and they were originally produced as charms. They were on China, they were on postcards and even playing cards. And it was just 
this cute little baby, like in the picture, with the thumbs up on there. I don't know that I would call that a cute little baby. Yeah. It, it's the way it, it's looking at me. I'm very uncomfortable. It looks like a baby giving you thumbs up, but he has a man face, like a grown man face. Yeah. It's not exactly charming. Oh, and he's got a four-leaf clover on his forehead. And wings on his ankles. Yeah. It's not the most charming thing. Um, also, but they did what they like could. He's naked. Except for a shirt. Which I can't figure out why you would put a shirt on but no pants. Is this a Donald Duck moment? I don't understand. You can't hear me because of my voice, but I'm laughing so hard. <clears throat> They're supposed to be seen as cherubs. Which to me is still weird because I've seen cherubs with some clothes or at least a nice cloud. Put, put a cloud around your waist. Hot damn. Yes, exactly. But no, he's just, I guess it is a Donald Duck moment. These things kind of took off uh, around World War II. And by this time, they were basically being made by uh, the little dolls that you see there. So it had a wooden head with sterling silver bodies. Some of them were made in nine karat gold, and they were also made with brass and wood to produce like a cheaper, more affordable, affordable version. But it was most common that wives or girlfriends would send them to their soldier lovers overseas as like a little good luck charm. And the wooden heads, they were like an added good luck charm to the giftee. And it depends on whether you knock on wood or some people believe that if you just touch wood, it would give you good luck. It, it's just sweet that wives, girlfriends, fiancés, whatever, significant others are sending it to their loved ones. I'll get on board with that. Still creepy. God, it's still looking at me. If it helps, uh, some of them would have diamond eyes. They would have, um, they would add their birthstones into the eye sockets. So those ones are like the ritzy ones. Those are the ones that are dedicated. Yes. I those put are the diamonds ones. in this for you. Yeah. They went and they bought a hangman's noose and then they bought a thumbs up doll. Our charm. Yeah, you ruined it with the hangman's noose. Uh, I... You ruined it with this little baby doll, actually. They're kind of creepy. But there are a bunch of cute stories that I came across online where someone's grandpa was in the war and their grandma sent them one and they just passed it down through the generations. Okay, so the next one I just feel bad saying. Um, but I'm just, I'm going to go with it because it's what it's called. But so the next one, I was shocked to learn um punchbacks are considered good luck like people with punch like kyphosis um both ancient greece and roman nope ancient greek and roman art and sculptures they were they would sometimes occasionally depict people with kyphosis or the forward rounding of the back due to an abnormally curved spine um this kind of struck me as weird because, you know, like way back in the day, most of the time ailments like that, like physical ailments, you were like condemned. Right. Like anything that made you different, you were freaking bye. 
yeah, people were just like cruel and critical and just downright nasty. Yeah, that doesn't change. Um, <clears throat> so from what I read way, way back in the day, they believed that rubbing a person's quote unquote hump would bring good luck. Rubbing. So is this like rubbing a bald person's head here? Yes. Okay. Yeah, real rude, y'all. Yeah, you're not you're not supposed to touch other people without their consent. So, from what I read, experts kind of believe this to be lucky in the same way that the hangman's rope was lucky, where fortune kind of comes from misfortune. And I actually read about historian Barbara Hughes Fowler. This is one big quote, okay? It just sounds so mean, but just, y'all, it's a big quote. Now, Barbara Hughes Fowler, she said that hunchbacks may have also been thought to ward off the evil eye because of their sheer ugliness or because they provoke laughter, which would in, it, in itself dispel the dark powers or because they somehow anticipated the worst that the eye could do. Wow. Wow. Call him out like that. Wow. That's fucking yeah. rude. So basically, humans suck and they've always sucked. And we just suck even more now. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's just rude. Well, I, I might be able to make it a little better with the Italians. At the very least, I'm going to butcher an Italian word. So I'm sorry. Deal. So I did read that the word for hunchback in Italian is gobo, I think. And many Italian legends and fairy tales, they depicted people with kyphosis as people who personified humility and hardship. And that's why the Italians believed them to have bring, brought, <laughs> believed them to bring good luck. Hey, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it sucks a little less. Yeah. I have to say. Like, comparatively, like, one was like, oh, they're just ugly and scare away the evil eye. The other was like, well, they've got humility. Like. Yes. <laughs> like, think of uh, Quasimodo. He was a real person, based on a real person, I would say. But the Disney character, at least, because that's who I always think of. Just wow. Wow, people. So they, there is a such thing as gobo or gabo charms okay. they were made out of coral mother of pearl and silver and you can apparently still find them today they were worn on necklaces bracelets or even watch chains and these little charms were thought to been good to bring good luck and there's also a couple pictures of those on the drive and they are most commonly uh the charms most commonly show a man um i'm sorry they most commonly show a man who's dressed, like, exquisitely. Like, he looks very nice. He's in a suit. He's got tails. He's got a top hat. And he does have kyphosis as well. Like, the charms look like they're depicted as these very well-dressed, well-groomed individuals. Yeah, like, they're, uh, they're a little swanky. They're dressed to the nines. Okay, so the last one, I didn't know if it was too much or not, but I got the go-ahead from Bryce ahead of time. 
we yeah we talked about this one there's no pictures thankfully oh i got oh, the pictures. there's pictures okay there are pictures yes so i'm gonna upload that and i'm gonna tell you a little bit about it <laughs> so if anyone's offended listen it it can get worse okay like oh, i don't it can want so these are called tintinabellums and they date back to ancient rome <laughs> i can't look at you right now they date back to ancient rome and people would hang tintinabellums outside in their gardens on their porches they would also hang them in doors or windows in houses and in shops and occasionally they would attach a bell pull and use it as a doorbell and basically what it is they're wind chimes and they are made by stringing multiple bells together um Bryce do you want to ex- do you want to just describe what you see penises among penises among penises among penises <laughs> there is someone riding like a penis that looks like it's a horse almost like it's just penis city over here it's like a bachelorette party in our Google Drive oh right God. now. It is a riot in our Google Drive right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And oh. does that one have an eyeball? Yeah. It totally has an eyeball and is smiling. Oh. My like, favorite it's... is the penis that has a penis. The, yeah, I said it was penises. <laughs> There's two of them that have a penis. A penis with a penis. I bet you anything all three of them do. We just The one's at a bad angle. We can't see it more than likely okay look what i learned doing this research is that ancient rome loved penises apparently um so the the main point of the tintinabellum is that ancient romans believed that the sound of bells would ward off evil spirits so that's why they hung these wind chimes up everywhere why shaped like a like a wiener i don't why is there just there's a penis on a penis with a penis like you guys aren't like I I don't know if we can post this on Instagram. This might be a picture we don't post, but it's literally just wow. I think we'll we'll uh we'll definitely post the word and just Google at your own risk, okay? Because this is uh, wow. So to answer your question, they were very often times designed with a penis, uh, or of a penis, because. It was believed back then that ithophallic figures would ward off the evil eye as well as bring good luck and prosperity. So many ancient tintinabulums were bronze figures uh, shaped like a penis or a man with a penis or somebody riding a pe- There were There were penises with bells I attached to them. trying okay? to be very careful on some of our verbiage here. Because to make it clear, these are like, like, I want to say, like, this is like a caricature penis. Like, someone just went and was like, I'm just going to draw a penis with eyes really quick because it's funny. It looks like a wind chime that you would get from Spencer's. It looks like a wind chime a teenager would think was hilarious. (laughs) And guess what? I think it's hilarious. And I'm not a teenager. Can you just imagine, though, like you go over to your friend's house and you have to ring their dick doorbell to get their attention? Oh, done. I'm getting it. Done. I, Podfather is never coming to your house ever again. Podfather is going to be yelling at me later about <laughs> this conversation, and that's fine. 
That's uh, we are discussing ancient Rome. We're talking about history. Yes. Art history, I did have to do a little research into that to know what the hell an ithophallic figure is. Now I know. It's a penis. It's a something. So, um, that's, um, that's all I have today. Those are a couple oh. of weird what? relics and well, good luck, luck charms. Is, I just don't understand what luck the penis really brings. The What, what did you call it? The Tintincura? Tintinabellum. Uh, Tintinabellum. The mm-hmm. Tintinabellum just needs. I, I don't even know. It just it, needs. We need y'all to know it's there. It exists, and uh-huh. we need everyone else to be scarred along with us. Mm-hmm. So, there you have it. I, I don't even. These are these pictures probably won't be posted. Like we said, we'll post the verbiage or the name. Um, on Twitter, on Instagram, um, just because we don't want to get in trouble. Like, mm-hmm. listen, we might be little shits, but we don't want to be in trouble. Like, that's not fun for us. Honestly, the only reason I research this is so the FBI tracking my Google search history can just be like, now we've got dicks. Where did this come from? You got to throw them, throw them for a loop every now and then. Yeah. So it's like murder, murder, rabbit's foot, penis. Yeah. I mean, that's what you got to do. So um, I definitely think, I feel like I should call Cody in to show him these pictures. I would enjoy that because I would like to hear the response. Okay, hold on. Babe, can you come here for a second? I've got to show you something. Some good luck charms. We got to show you a good luck charm that I can't put out. (laughs) I'm not, it's not up on the screen yet. Okay, so this isn't it. Hold on. Okay, are you ready? It's not this either. Are you ready? Yep. Get back here. Look. (laughs) You didn't even look. How do you say it again? Tintinabellum. Tintinabellum. Why did I see it? Um, Because I thought I was on the rabbit's foot and that was the next image. No. It's an ancient Roman wind chime ancient roman wind chime it's because they are look this one this one has a penis riding a penis with a penis and this one is just a penis with a penis i got it this one's a penis with an eye and a smile those are very ugly penises they really are yeah like these are the penises that people send you when you don't ask for them Uh uh-huh Oh, Bryce, I sent you your first, unsol- or my first unsolicited dick pic to you. Wow. Um, I think it was solicited because you asked permission first. Well, yes, because consent is important. But you did send your first dick pic to me. Oh, we just reached a, we just reached like a oh, new-, new level. That's <laughs> all. So are you okay if I get one of these for the house? No. <laughs> he said no. Oh, I'm sorry. He said, fuck no. What if I send it? Then you're not getting oh. it. That's how I get gnomes from my mom. She just brings them to me. Yeah. But wait a minute. But remember these, um, they're good luck. Increase fertility? I thought that was the rabbit's foot. Rabbit's foot, definitely. I said that as if I know. I don't know. Well, she talked about different good luck charms today. And this is a good luck <laughs> charm. <laughs> I think it's increased fertility. I'm and it wards off the evil right. eye, and it brings good luck and prosperity. 
I'm just telling you, this is an option to help increase fertility. He said, no, it's not an option. I'm just looking out for you. Amanda's trying to help us out. And you just. Amanda, where's your little dick hanging chandelier? She's already got a baby. Right here. She doesn't need. She doesn't need one of them. She's already got a baby. Okay. Anyways, that's all. We're going to order it online. (laughs) Please don't. Please don't. (laughs) So Cody, not a fan. Yeah. Did James see these? Oh, he thought they were hilarious. <laughs> I think they're hilarious. When I show, when I specifically told him about the doorbell, he was like, "Absolutely, <laughs> free day, let's do yes. it." Well, he said that we couldn't have one at least visible because someone would probably take issues since there is a school like in very close visible proximity. But people don't have to be on your property. Honestly, they shouldn't be. This is my property and my wind chimes. I mean, wow. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Any anything else you want to add after that finale? No, no. Those are my those are my my good luck charms. Wow. <clears throat> anything you hear that? Those are good luck charms. Um. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels pod, Facebook or Linktree Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on, uh, I already said Linktree. I'm sorry. Um, if you want to support us, please write, like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you. Bye. Bye.